Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Hello and welcome to this episode of Compliance Clarified. My name is Alexander Robson and I'm the Managing Editor of Regulatory Intelligence here in London. Today, I'm joined by Nathan Lynch, Asia-Pacific Managing Editor in Perth, Western Australia, and Niall Coburn, Senior Regulatory Intelligence Expert in Brisbane. And we are here to discuss gambling, casinos, and money laundering risks. Australian gambling giant Star Entertainment Group was last month fined $100 million for failing to stop money laundering at its Sydney casino. The group's license to operate the casino has also been suspended. The Star has promised to do, quote, everything in its power, unquote, to regain its license and the community's trust. Casino operators in Australia have been under great pressure to reform their gambling operations following reports of widespread criminal activity. The record penalties were announced in response to a damning inquiry in New South Wales earlier this year. But the star is not alone. There has been misconduct at various casinos around Australia in recent years, including at those owned by the country's largest gaming and entertainment group, Crown Resorts. It was fined $80 million by Victorian gambling authorities earlier this year for its failures to stop criminal activity. It is also in litigation with the country's feared AML CTF agency, Austrad, which is known for handing down billion-dollar penalties. Niall and Nathan, you've written a good deal about this topic and these problems have been well documented. Niall, briefly, what went wrong? Okay, so thank you very much indeed, Alex and Nathan, and I'd also like to wish you all well on this call that those of you are listening, we're coming from Australia. Look, there is a number of issues. The first issues is really that senior management put the pursuit of money before its own staff and patrons' welfare and the law. That is really the critical issue which occurred over a period of, uh, of a decade. In relation to internally, there was a complete shambles within corporate governance that went down from senior management to uh, the board itself. And then you had instances, you know, you mentioned the inquiries, but before the inquiries where the board would say that they didn't know what was happening at the casino, they didn't know about the $2 billion uh, money laundering. So in all, there was also a blindness of a director's duties and there was a disconnect, as I mentioned, between senior management and directors. But ultimately, there was really a conflict of interest between those who wanted to make money and the regulation of the law. I think one of the major issues that we had was that the state-based regulators were not as effective as they could have been, and they probably didn't have the extent of the laws that they should have had to be able to assess the criminality involved. So, Nathan, what is happening now? Yes, Alex, it's really interesting. So we've seen this these terrible events come to light through the various commissions of inquiry that have happened across the Australian states. As Niall said, these are state-based gambling regulatory regimes. But, of course, 
the financial intelligence and anti-money laundering and counterterrorism financing regimes are federal. So you've got this, this overlap here where the states have really dropped the ball on regulation of casinos. There have been some fines handed down in the vicinity of $100 million, and, uh, but the real game will be when Austrac, the FIU and AML regulator steps in and starts taking enforcement action. So we've seen litigation against Crown Casino and uh, they are still in the late investigation stages of looking at the star. On top of that, we've got the conduct regulators who are now threatening to move in and pick up cases potentially against directors under the the uh, skill and care obligations of the Corporations Act. So you can see that there's a whole bunch of flow-on regulatory and enforcement consequences that can come, and they won't potentially just hit shareholders via big fines. They may, in fact, end up targeting some directors if the conduct regulator ASIC takes action. So I think there's a lot to come, and certainly for people who are working in other jurisdictions, there's a real lesson here where corporations miss the change in the regulatory enforcement climate. So we saw the anti-money laundering regime really pick up its enforcement temperament in Australia. And first of all, the banks were the targets of that and it blindsided them and took them completely by surprise. Then we saw a big investigation into Crown. But incredibly, while that Crown investigation and Royal Commission was playing out, Star was still performing the same failures. So instead of taking that opportunity to really fix things up, it would appear that Star just kicked it into the long grass. And in fact, some of the information that emerged from the inquiry was things like flying punters who had been put on criminal watch lists to other states to continue gambling, running remittances through a parallel system to get around bank controls. So these extraordinary things have taken place. And I think now we get to watch, you know, the dangers of organisations and sectors not reading the enforcement climate accurately. Niall, you were very critical of the performance of regulators or perhaps non-existent performance. and you know, decrying their uh, inabilities to do much, if anything, at all. What, though, have regulators learned from this, if anything? Well, I think um, the most important thing that regulators have now learned or or that the states have learned is that you must have regulators with effective laws in place who want to do the job. What you had was, you know, really artificial window-dressing regulators where the state coffers was put first. So that was one factor. But the other factor is that it's hard for me to believe that the federal agencies like the Australian Federal Police and even Austrac didn't really know the extent of the laundering through the system. And indeed, you know, the workarounds which which were happening with Chinese nationals coming into Australia and also the casinos, the AFP would have known that the casinos were dealing with um, triad or known criminal organisations, which uh, the journalists in Australia um, had been writing about for at least eight years. So in all, everyone from the top down really ignored it. And now what we have is a situation where 
all the state regulators now have been replaced. Like you mentioned, a $100 million fine for Crown or $80 million, but actually the state regulator in Victoria, the new one, has just handed out a $120 million fine for Crown just uh, a few weeks back. And that was uh, actually based on the fact that Crown has ignored its gambling laws and the protection of patrons. All those local laws were just swept aside. And they are serious because if someone, for example, has a gambling problem, um, then they go on to a register and they're not allowed to gamble. Also, patrons aren't allowed to stand up for extended periods of time. So all those smaller patron protection laws were excused, if you like. So now we have a situation where we really effectively have to start again in Australia, learn from these awful mistakes, what the Royal Commissions and the various inquiries have um, described as the most unethical conduct uh, imaginable, um, and then you know, really pick individuals that can do the job. Nathan, just picking up on that a little more, I mean, do you have any further thoughts on what needs to happen in future? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Niles put out some great points there. And I think one of the key things looking forward is that, you know, these these inquiries have gone into the gambling sector in a depth that we haven't really seen in any other jurisdiction. You know, the scope of the inquiries, Australia is pretty good at that, to be fair. You know, there was the Banking Royal Commission and then we had these big money laundering cases and now we've got the, the gaming sector getting scrutinised. So it's one of the best insights into the ways that money laundering takes place, pretty much in plain sight through casinos, which are large listed companies. Uh, you know, they're subject to onerous regulation as well as the listing obligations of being a public company. So it's a really good opportunity now, you know, on the plus side for risk and compliance professionals to have a look at these cases and analyse how this was happening. So if, if you're working inside a bank, you can look at what casinos might be doing in other countries to get around your controls that you've put in place. So, you know, one of them that we saw was that when banks were flagging and intercepting transactions involving, you know, known criminal entities, they were moving those transactions via cutout organisations. And in fact, in one case, they basically set up their own remittance business, which was deceptively designed to deceive the bank with regard to the nature of those transactions. We also saw transactions getting put through the accommodation side of the casino business rather than the gaming side to circumvent not only local anti-money laundering controls, but also to get around the limits on China Union pay cards, which prevent Chinese residents from spending money on gambling outside the territory. So there was a whole bunch of learnings that come from this. We saw amazing revelations about the way that junkets work and also the way that junkets, when they were officially blocked, we saw casinos then putting them into different rooms and letting them continue to operate, to continue to take cash and all sorts of uh, you know, high-risk activities, even though officially they were no longer operating inside those casinos. So it's, it's just been a massive eye-opener and I think it's an amazing opportunity for risk and compliance teams around the world to look at what went wrong and you can probably rest assured that if this was happening in Australia, it may have been happening elsewhere. Niall, given your background as a lawyer and a former regulator, what other thoughts 
would you like to share about how casino operators outside Australia might draw some lessons uh, from this disaster, perhaps take a bit further forward what Nathan has just said? Nathan's made some excellent points. There are extremely good lessons, uh, important lessons for all jurisdictions that have casinos. And the first lesson is to understand who the casinos are dealing with. For example, in Australia, we had the infiltration of organised crime that we've never seen or even stated before. Whereas you, what you've got in the Royal Commission report starting two years ago was immediate um, identification of that. And that would be happening in other jurisdictions. Um, the other point is the influence of big shareholders. You know, one shareholder or a few that control the casino and then they appoint the directors that do not necessarily have the skills um, and foresight to look at you know all the corporate governance issues and they're protecting not all the shareholders but only the turf of the um, uh, majority shareholders then the other issue for me as a former um, enforcement officer is um, the overlap between state governments and also the federal governments and maybe not sharing the information that they could share. In other words, passing the buck because they don't get any funding or, or any accolades for the work that they would be doing on the turf of a state regulator. And so there's, there's other issues that, you know, just be careful internationally. Do not put money before the, the welfare um, of staff and also the patrons and ignore the letters of the law. If you do that, then you will turn your casino into an organised crime hub. So these are all the lessons that we've learned in Australia. And as Nation points out, although we've had to wash our dirty laundry in it and other jurisdictions have looked at it, no one's done what Australia has done in this area. And I'm sure that what goes on in Australia, which is a young casino operator, is very much alive everywhere else in the world. Well, that seems as good a time as any to bring today's proceedings to a close. Thank you, Nathan and Niall, for your thoughts. And until next time. And thank you very much indeed, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having us. Compliance Clarified. A podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence.